Christmas would not be the same if we did not also have bad gifts, am I right? I brought a couple pictures just to kind of show you some examples of gifts that maybe you will not get this year if we can go ahead and throw some of those up there. This is an actual gift, it's Pet Petter. I guess that's for really lazy dog owners. I have a couple more, we'll just slip through these. That, um, I love that. I mean, why get those Bluetooth attachments, right? Which I think are stupid anyway. I love the people that, if, this, if you do this, by the way, I mean, just, just forgive me right now for what I'm about to say, but if you're a Bluetooth attachment wearer and you're not driving the car, you're an idiot. <laughs> I, I totally understand it on the car, in the car, right? I get it. But if you're like sitting in a restaurant, your phone up out of your pocket, just talk on the phone. Because I'm the guy that answers you while you're talking to whoever you're talking to because I don't realize that you have a Bluetooth device. So then I look like an idiot, and we're all idiots, and it's not good. Or you can save us some trouble and just go out and buy one of these. Snazzy little metal things that go over your head with a fuzzy thing on one side and hold your phone in place for you while you drive. Bad gifts. we got a couple more. It's hard for you to see the words, but they say Freudian slippers. I think, that's, I think that's actually an awesome gift. If you'd like to buy that for me, that'd be fun. Um, the Obama Special Edition Chia Pet. Fantastic. We have a couple more. This is an actual gift. It's an iPod toilet paper holder. Just by a show of hands, very quickly, how many of you actually would love to get that as a gift? See all the guys all in man's hands? Some kids. Kids, when you say to your mom, I don't ever know what to get dad. There it is. Amazon is your friend, okay? Amazon is your friend of that. Told over with the iPod. Now, this is a beer belt. The reason it's a good gift is because it can hold cans or bottles. Right? A beer belt. It's fantastic. This is, um, again, no offense meant to smokers at all, but I think this is awesome, actually. They've invented smoking mittens. Because if I, I, mean, I don't smoke, but if I did and I was wearing mittens, how do you pull that off, right? So if that hole is a, it's a hole. The cigarette goes through the hole and you can wear your mittens and still smoke. And then it, it, if it couldn't get any worse, just last time. What'd you get for Christmas, kids? I got a pair of hander pants. What's really scary about that is, they've trademarked it. Did you see that? Wow. Um, hopefully none of you get any of those gifts, or maybe if you're the men here, you want to talk to everyone with the iPod, that'd be awesome. Um, but here's what I know to be true about every single one of us. Thank you so much for doing that. Now you can all watch me and not the fire. One thing I know to be true about all of us, all of us at some point in our lives on Christmas morning, have had to force a smile on our face and say, thanks. We've all got bad gifts. This morning we're going to talk about a couple of bad gifts. I've, got, I've, come, I've come bearing gifts. I've got three really bad gifts that all of you at one time in your life have actually opened and possibly are still using. And one really good gift that I'd like to think all of us have opened, but the truth of the matter is most of us probably even haven't opened that, but we should. But before we get there, let me just kind of catch you up. If this is your first time here, we are in week four of our Christmas series. It is called Big Things Come in Small Packages. So let me just walk you through what we've learned the first three weeks, and then we'll jump into today. 
First week we started, um, we started by ending big. We talked about the fact that the kingdom of God is always growing. Um, we just Phil just read that, right? There is no end to the growth of his kingdom. So it's always growing. We looked at Revelation, and here's what we found out. As big as the kingdom of God is today, in Revelation, it will end even bigger. We are part of a huge movement called the kingdom of God. And so in the end, God wins. And he doesn't barely win. He dominates. We win. And so we do this. When we know that we win, I ask this question, what would you do if you knew you could never fail? If we know that we win, and I don't know about you, I want to be on the winning team. If I, could, if I knew before the game starts, this team wins and this team loses, and I can pick the team that I want to be on, I'm going to pick the winning team. Nobody picks the losing team. We win. And if we know that we win, it sets us free to, in week two, we talk about dreaming big. Some of us have very, very big dreams. We wonder if we should have big dreams. Phil did a great job that day of saying this. We can dream big because our Father dreams bigger. God has bigger dreams for you and I than we have for ourselves. And if God never fails, then what does that mean about our dreams that He has for us? Are we going to fail or succeed? succeed. We're going to succeed. And so if we don't have to worry about whether or not we're going to succeed or fail, if we don't have to worry about even funding the dream, because isn't that what people want? You want Shark Tank? Anybody here want Shark Tank? I love Shark Tank. I like it when they start sweating bullets and they're just like, oh, dude, that's, that idea sucked. And you're still asking for like 50% of your company. And it's just crazy. They ask for all this kind of money. I love it. But what they're asking is, look, will you buy into? Will you fund my dream? We have a Heavenly Father who dreams bigger than us, for us than we ever do for ourselves. And He funds that dream. And we found out last week this. That if God's willing to fund that dream, what can we do with our resources? Open our hands. We can give big. Sometimes we hold on to our resources thinking, I need to hold on to my stuff so I can fund my dream. But if God is funding our dream, we get to open our hand. And so I don't need to keep gorging myself. I have all that I need. 
going to take care of me. We looked at that in scripture. I'm a father who's going to meet my needs, take care of my needs. I am free to be generous because I know that my father is going to take care of me. And here's what I know to be true about me this morning. A lot of people want to say that. We want to say I don't crave the things that I don't need. I crave more than I need. We want to live less selfishly. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of us are not doing that. So this morning, I want to teach you something. On the Sunday before we celebrate what, without a doubt, is the biggest day, the biggest event the world has ever known, I want to teach you how to receive big. Go ahead and get your, if you've got your note sheets out, go ahead and get them ready, get your pen, click it open. Let me read you from John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And when we go through these four gifts, we'll focus on the last two verses. But let me read the whole thing just to kind of give context. John chapter 1, starting in verse 9, it says this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, is coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, to his own people, and they did not recognize him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And did you see the four gifts in that verse? I hope not. That's, that's my job. Right? I'm supposed to tell you what the four gifts are. It's raining a lot right now. It's good for the Panthers, right? So here's the four gifts. We'll start with number one. We got the kids in here too from Kids City. So what I'm gonna do is periodically I'm just gonna kind of call a child up here. They're gonna help me open up these gifts, and we're just gonna walk through three really bad gifts that we've all opened at some point in our life, and one really good gift that we really need to open. Okay, you with me so far? We're on gift number one, and so I need a kid from Kids City. Is there a child here? Yeah, right here. Number one. Now they have number. They're gonna have a sheet that says number one. If you've got that sheet that says number one, all right, come on. You really can. She comes up here. Well, Miss Mia, you get to open the biggest present here. That one right here. Go ahead. And you don't have to be nice about it. Just rip the thing. Just rip it up. Open, open like you would on Christmas morning. If it was a mummy. <laughs> have you never opened a mummy before? I haven't either. I have no idea what that would be like. All right, here we go. Bad gift number one. Don't be scared. So I'm going to give you one of these. You can reach in the back of the side if you want. Thank you for helping me out. Nicely done. Give another big round of applause. Okay, so bad gift number one. A pair of jeans. And if you have a sheet, that's jeans. That's what we're going to write in that blank. It's a pair of jeans. It's bad gift number one. And here's why. Most of us, if we're honest, would like to inherit something from our parents, wouldn't we? Like cars, houses. A business only if it's profitable. We'd like to inherit things from our parents, but there is something that we would love to inherit from our parents, but we cannot. We cannot inherit Jesus. We cannot inherit salvation. As a matter of fact, there is one thing that we inherit from our parents, and we get it 
die. And it's called sin. The Bible says here in verse 13 that we're born not of blood. You cannot inherit Jesus. We don't like to think of it this way, but um, when we have our babies and we like wrap them up and they're a bundle of joy, right? They're really, according to scripture, a big bundle of sin. You ever congratulate somebody like that for their baby? Hey, that's the cutest bundle of sin and death I've ever seen. Now, like, now, when they poop and stuff, then it's like a bundle of sin, right? But usually we're like, oh, she's so cute. But, but the Bible, according to the Bible, that baby is a big bundle of sin. Hallmark just doesn't make greeting cards like that. Thank goodness. But here's some verses you can write down just to know that I'm telling you the truth, not just making that up. Psalm 51.5. David wrote this. I was brought forth in iniquity and sin my mother conceived me. Romans 5, 12, Paul said this, As sin came into the world through one man, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5, 19, By one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So practically, what does this mean? This is why we have to teach kids to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. We teach kids not to be selfish, right? We teach children to share Because naturally they just want to take it. You have a sin nature. I have a sin nature. It's like when you drive to Walmart and you're late. And you know you got to get there because you've got to go there quick so you can get in and out of Walmart quick. And we already know that's not going to happen because it's Walmart. <laughs> because you got to be somewhere else after Walmart. And so you're behind, you look at your watch and you're freaking out. And an old woman pulls out in front of you in her car. And she's just putting along, having a great time, her and Jesus and whoever else she's talking to. Your sin nature is why you don't think good things in that scenario. Your sin nature is why you think words that you would never want somebody to hear you say. It's your sin nature. You had that. You got that from your parents. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. But you could never inherit Being born in a Christian country like America, although we're not really, but we used to be, kind of, doesn't make you a Christian. You can never inherit Jesus. You can only inherit sin from your parents. It's in your genes, and that's why genes are a bad gift. Gift number two. Bad gift number two. Do I have um, somebody from Kid City with the number two? Dun, 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 dun. Here he comes. Come on up here, big guy. Let's see, let's find number two. Number two, that's not number two. And, uh, over here, is this it? Come on over here. Oh, that's not number two either. I bet it's this one because it's the last one I just picked up. Oh, are you ready? Alright, show off your mag. Gift opening skills. You're a vote saver, I can tell that right away. <laughs> just made my wife very happy. I hope it's a car. Or money. Or open. I love you, but you look excited. I think you're going to be excited about this gift. And I am. I love your um, gift open song before behind the app sheets. It's such a bad gift you threw it away. 
that if they, they work in their church, they serve, they really know Jesus because they just call him Lord. And Jesus just said right here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, verse 22, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So, in this passage, Jesus sends a bunch of people to hell for doing good things. And if we're honest, they're doing better things than the good things that we're doing, right? When's the last time that you cast a demon out of somebody? Or did any of the things that he mentioned right there in that passage? And I'm way, I'm way behind those guys. I'm laid up in the line there. So if I'm in line at, at, the, at the judgment day and I'm watching people go ahead of me, which is what I'd rather do, kind of walk in late and see what's going on and make sure I'm good, right? If I'm watching this take place and these people walk up to Jesus and he goes, hey man, awesome job down there on earth like the way that you were casting demons out of people and healing people and all this stuff. I didn't, I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm probably okay. And then he tells them, depart from me. I never knew you. Like, here's hell. I'm not feeling too good. Because I've not done any of that stuff. Here's the thing. You'll never do enough good to earn the grace of God in Jesus. And the minute that we think we can, we have not only opened this bad gift, but we have based our entire life on that bad gift. Because the best you have to offer God it's just a dirty, used rag. We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn Jesus. Um, number three. This is a great gift. Who's got number three? Oh, here she comes. Come on. I should ask you what you think of it before you even open it. Because it looks like it'd be like a, like a toy or something. Like a gun that you can shoot me with. We just open and see. Great. You're not a bow saver. That's fantastic. Maybe this is what you're hoping to get for Christmas. She said maybe, so we got a shot. Here we go. I'm very excited. Who wrapped this? Man, they love tape. You got it? I would give you a knife, but I'm not a man. <laughs> I mean, I ain't a man, but I don't have a knife. Yes? Okay, good. Air? That's a picture. Oh, good. Hmm. A picture of a person. That's awesome. Thank you for that description. I think you'd rather have one of those, right? That's great. I love how you messed with me just then. That was fantastic. No, I'll take the I'll take the sermon illustration. <laughs> You're fine. Okay. So this is bad gift number three, and I know it's hard for all of you to see this, but this is actually a picture of my mom. Bad gift number three is a picture of mom, which I know right away I am as close to being sent to the bad place by God just for saying that a picture of my mom could be a bad gift. I get it totally right. It's hard to think about a picture of mom being a bad gift, but let me explain to you why a picture of mom or your mom is a bad gift. Because you can't, can't borrow Jesus. Let me explain what I mean by that. 
There's a passage in the Bible, Romans chapter 9, verse 3. It's written by Paul, and Paul was very much a man, but it sounds like my mom could have written it, okay? And maybe your mom was this way too. Romans chapter 9, verse 3. Paul wrote this. I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Let's just break down, make it really practical, make it really simple. That sounds like a man who says, I would choose to go to hell if my family could go to heaven. And I don't know anybody else on the face of the planet who makes statements like that except for moms. Because moms say things like this, no, I don't want any more pie. While she wants the pie. Moms would sacrifice anything to make sure that their family gets what they want, even not just what they need. So we're sitting in our house, and there's like, you know, six pieces of stuff to go around. There's more steak on the table on rare occasions that we have that. When we get, she buys packages of six things. Like if we have like these big Italian sausages, six come in it. So that means that everybody gets one, and then there's one left over. Usually I get it, because I'm bigger and can beat people up. <laughs> but I'll tell you who never gets it. When? Not because we don't ask her to. Because if she really wanted it, with her dying breath, she would say, I'm full. I've had enough. She would never take it. Because she would make sure that her family got enough. That's what Paul's saying here. It's like, look, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm trusting Jesus. But man, if there was any way that I could say no so that my, my kin could know Jesus, I would say that. Here's the deal. And a lot of you are sitting here and you've got moms that pray for you. I've got a mom who prayed me to this place. But here's the thing you've got to understand. I don't care how close your mother is to Jesus. She can only pray you to Jesus. You can't borrow her faith. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Paul's writing to Timothy. And he says this. He says that he saw faith in Timothy's mom. He saw faith in Timothy's grandma. And he says, I'm pretty sure I saw faith in you. And he says in verse 6, Now you, Timothy, don't borrow their faith, but you fan into flame the gift that is in you. This is a really scary bad gift. Because a lot of us are content to just kind of walk behind our parents. It's not even that we're born into it like we talked about earlier about by blood. John says this, you can't inherit the kingdom because you're born by blood. You can't inherit it because you've got the will. You've worked for it. And you can't even inherit it because of the will of man. Like your mom cannot will you into heaven. You've got to make that choice. So moms, if you're praying for your kids, the application today is keep praying for your kids. Don't walk out and go, well, I'm done praying. Paul said it worked. No, it works. It works because I'm standing here. I'm living proof. I'm living proof that my mom did not live nor pray in vain. But at some point, I had to say to Jesus, yes. 
And if I don't do that, if you don't do that, if we're just trying to borrow Jesus, even a picture of mom is a really bad gift. Which leads us to number four. Finally, you already know this is a good gift because on your sheet it says good gift. And most of you have already figured it out because you scanned the QR code and you're way ahead of me. You're like, dude, we're done. I'm already done with your sermon. Catch up, right? <laughs> so here we go. I need number four. We've got one more, one more challenge to come up. Here we go. We'll save the best for last, right? Yes. Here we go. Oh, careful. Are you okay? It's okay. Nobody saw that. Everybody saw that. Are you good? At least you get to open the good gift, right? Which means, what is a good gift? Candy? Well, that was awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, here we go. Oh, nice. And it is a cross. That's fantastic. I love that cross. But I'm going to keep the cross, even though I know you probably choose it because it's beautiful. And I'm going to let you reach in that back and get out some candy. Thank you so much for opening a good gift. Give her a big hand. So the only good gift is a cross, okay? Um, and we know that we can't inherit Jesus. We can't earn Jesus. We can't borrow Jesus. The cross reminds us that we can only receive Jesus. Now, we're about done. I want to make sure that you totally understand what I'm saying here, okay? Here's why the cross is a good reminder of that. We won't read it, but Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. You can just write that down. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. Here's what it says. It says that you and I were enemies of God. It says that while we were ungodly and powerless, Jesus Christ came and died for us. I like to say it like this. If we were the only people on earth, he would have died for us. But we would have killed him. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody likes to romanticize that. If you were the only person on the face of the planet, Jesus would have died for you. Yes, but you would have like nailed him to the cross. You would have put the thorn of, of crown, his crown thorn on his head. You would have spit in him on his face. You would have done all the things that we read out about the Bible, and he still would have died for you because you would have killed him. The cross is the perfect reminder of that because the cross, in one symbol, represents the best of God and the worst of man. God gave us the best gift, and that was what we did with him. We killed him. We fought him the whole way. So when I receive Jesus, here's what I'm saying. I show that I believe Jesus. I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying, okay? I don't just believe about Jesus that he came. Historians through the ages have believed about Jesus. Let me tell you who else believes about Jesus. Atheists. Atheists believe about Jesus. They believe that there was a man who came and lived in the name of Jesus. It's not just believing in Jesus, that he came from God. James chapter 2, verse 19 says that even the demons believe in God. When I receive Jesus, here's what I'm saying. I believe him. I believe what he said. I believe what he said about why he came to this earth. I believe that he stepped into flesh in order to pick up a cross and pay for my sin. It means I have every confidence in his work on the cross. And here's what it means literally for us. It means that my best days can't save me any more than my worst days can forgive me. It's just about Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.15 says that Christ came into this world to save sinners. And Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, followed it up by saying, and I'm the chief one. Again, if we're in line, right? And Paul goes, 
Yeah, you can't be saved sinners, and I'm the worst. Dude, you're, you're the worst? Like, you wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I can't even put the toilet paper on the roll the right way. I keep going over when I think I'm supposed to go under. You're the chief sinner? Dude, where does that leave me? It means that everybody in this room, everybody in this room, and I'm looking at all of you, everybody is undeserving of the best gift. And yet still, everybody can receive it. Here's the big idea today. Receiving is believing. We, we've watched this, the whole, the whole message, we've watched this get played out. Receiving is believing. Here's how it's gotten played out in front of you. Every, every four, four kids have come up here, they've all opened up a present. And when they've got done opening up the gift, I've given them another better gift, candy. And not one time has one child looked at me and said, do I deserve this? Can I really get candy out of the bag? I mean, did I do a good enough job unwrapping that gift? They just received it. Because they believed it was a gift for them. They believed that it was good. Um, here, let's just, let's just play that out one more time. Um, you got any candy games? Yeah, they're there. All right, so we need, um, every kid that's up here from Kid City, just stand up. Just stand up where we are. No adults can stand up. We'll see you because you're taller. And just while we finish talking about this, Miss um, Bridget and some of our workers are going to hand out some candy canes to you guys. And here's what you're going to find out. When they come and give you a candy cane, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Take it. You're going to take it? You're going to keep it? You're going to eat it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, you're just going to take it. It's just a gift. So while they do that, let me wrap this up. You ever heard the phrase, seeing is believing? Oh, y'all, no, you can't do this, Tyler. Ever heard the phrase, seeing is believing? Yes. Now, seeing is not believing. And here's how we know. Here's how we know. Because from the first Christmas until now, millions, if not billions of people have seen Jesus. Do you know who else has seen Jesus? Satan. Satan, Satan has seen Jesus. And Satan's not going to get saved. And here's why Satan's not going to get saved. Because seeing is not believing. Satan will never get saved because he will never accept what Jesus did at the cross. Seeing is not believing. Receiving is believing. Trying to inherit it, trying to earn it, trying to borrow it, all those things just lead to death. But receiving Jesus, receiving the work that he did on the cross, that leads to life, not just in the next life, but here as well. Have we got candy canes? Except for the parents. Dads are going like, give me the candy cane. Just close your eyes. We're going to wrap this up this morning like this. The world lay silent beneath the cloak of sin until the light of God shone in. His name is called Emmanuel. For with us, God did come to dwell. Three bad gifts. A pair of jeans. A dirty rag. Even a picture of mom. When we receive Jesus, 
Here's what we're acknowledging. We're acknowledging that a good God gave a good gift to save us from those bad ones. We acknowledge that our good was never good enough. And that our only shot of salvation is admitting that we are sinners in need of a rescue that we try to sabotage at every turn. If I had to sum Christmas up, I would do it in nine words. And here they are. Jesus came to confront my sin on a cross. Anything less than that is not Christmas. It's just a really bad gift.